It is a winter Sunday evening here as this 499th episode of the Chair Shop Podcast comes to you here deep into Christmas season. December 13th, we're recording this. I'm one of your hosts, Barry, joined as always by my ever-dependable co-hosts. First of all, it's Joe over there. Hello. And also, Paul is with us as well. It's starting to feel a lot like Christmas. It surely is. It surely is. The lights are up everywhere. We're watching the movies, the TV shows. We've got it all going. Uh, I am... Uh, more or less finished as as we record this for the year not for the year but until Christmas I have uh, one more work day between now and Christmas uh, I got all next week off baby oh I'm feeling it feeling feeling good uh, well that's one more day than I have to work Barry because I'm oh, off already you son of a bitch <laughs> oh. I don't have any days off I've lived that life, Joe. I've had a year, because I've only done it once. I was going to say years, but it's only ever happened once. I've had a year where, including New Year's and that whole time, the only day I had off was Christmas Day. That's not enough. That's not enough. Ridiculous, isn't it? I was in in at 7 a.m. New Year's Day. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least I don't have to go into the office or anything this year. Yeah. Yeah, sitting at home on my ass with the old laptop turned on somewhere in the house. Uh, yeah, so the, the the annual leave days are clocked in. The out of office is logged on, which basically just means I don't go into that other bedroom these days. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, not not planning to do much, obviously, um, with the. Uh, uh, time off, except sit on my hole and in a different part of the house and uh, play a lot of video games, I would imagine, is the uh, is the agenda. Uh, although the spirits are high in Limerick this evening, uh, as I'm sure it's the talk of the town, I'm sure it's all the buzz over there in London. Uh, Limerick are the All-Ireland Hurling Champions again. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so can I get some? Can I get some claps, some feel good vibes in the chat? If we had a chat, um, yeah. If anyone wants to answer, but, it's a uh, super question for five dollars about. Uh, do yeah, uh, tips, tips for Limerick, tips. Yeah, it's just, just you know, if you want to share the love, um, yeah. So I found out that match was happening like two days ago, uh, which is good. Uh, but apparently it's a big deal and everyone's very happy. So uh, genuinely, if you do hear honking in the background, that's not my pet goose. That's not me um, doing the honking are... It's not, week, no, 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 no. It's not Townie. Townie not toasting Limerick City with a honk honk of the week for their epic uh, senior hurling uh, uh, All-Ireland victory. Um, it is, <laughs> there is genuinely cars driving up and down the streets of the city honking in celebration, so... Uh, that may come across, but um, yeah, that's the old uh, life of here on my end. How how is the festive season going for you boys? Um, you know, obviously we've all talked a little bit about it, but how are things going this past week? Well, it's, been, it's been all right. Nothing, nothing too notable this week. Um, basically, doing our usual thing of going to parks because we like to go to a nice park. Who doesn't? Nice doesn't enjoy a park now and again especially when that's the only place you can bloody go safely 
Um, so we went to the park yesterday because allegedly there were going to be some carol singers there. Didn't see any bloody singers, I'll be honest. Um, had a wander around, no, no one else there. That was all right. And uh, today we went to the park again to go to a nice food market, a uh, nice Sunday, Sunday food market, where we had some very delicious Argentinian steak sandwiches. Uh, lovely little ciabatta bread with... Mm. Oh, what's that? You can get a little fried egg and some cheese for one pound extra. Go on then, Mr. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Argentinian. Uh, all is forgiven for the Falklands because this sandwich is bloody delicious. <laughs> um, yeah, really, really good sandwich. So we had a little walk around the park. It was quite muddy, I'll be honest. It wasn't exactly picnic weather. In fact, we couldn't even sit down on the picnic bench because it was so wet. We just <laughs> stood up. And oh. But um, enjoyable nonetheless and, and plenty of... Uh, fresh air and exercise so yeah that was that was probably the highlight of the, of the week this week for us um well it was quite busy this week here uh we were both working we had a couple of dogs staying overnight which um lessens a little bit the opportunity for watching films and so on because you're going okay take care, of, take care of the dogs rub the dog's head and that um, but they're two of our favorite dogs, so it was nice to have them around. We don't see them very often. Um, but apart from that, yeah, it was the last day of work, so trying to get as much done as possible and hand over tasks to other people and so on. Uh, like Barry, I'm off now until after Christmas, not necessarily mm. until the new year, but mm. I think I'm in. I'm in the Monday after Christmas. But like yourself, Joe, uh, not going into the office, so it's not too bad. And hopefully it'll be a quiet week as well. Although I need to make from scratch three new Excel reports for 2021 that all work together and are linked together. And that's going to be about as fun as it sounds. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we spent today wrapping all the presents, or I should say I spent a very little amount of time wrapping presents. And then Natty spent... Uh, two hours wrapping presents because she's good at it, and mine are horrible looking. <laughs> um, like so you can tell Homer's barbecue. Yeah, you can tell which ones are for her because they're the ones with like corners sticking out and big, really uncoordinated triangular flaps sellotape down haphazardly. But um, they're done. All the presents are wrapped. And that's why, you know, it's it's today now that the presents are wrapped and are under the tree that it's really starting to feel like Christmas, you know, in conjunction with the holidays uh, from work starting. Everything now, all the stars are aligning um, for that home stretch to Christmas. And um, not only that, but the fact that we do Christmas a day early uh, means that Christmas is even closer for us. It's only 11 days away. And we'll go up then to, uh, as we do every year, up to Natty's parents' house for uh, what we affectionately refer to as Brazilian Christmas. Ah, the old Brazilian Christmas. Do Brazilians have a, a, a little women's Christmas? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, what is that the 6th of January? It's, it's little women's Christmas in Ireland. Little women's Christmas. I've never heard of Little Women's Christmas. No, wait, sorry. It's Little Christmas, but it's for the women. If you Google this, I will be proven correct, and I'm not losing my mind. 
No, I don't doubt that you're correct, but that sounds very uh, patronizing to me. Like, <laughs> women have women can have their little Christmas uh, oh, two weeks oh, after the men have their one. Oh, look, the carry on the bus is on. Do you want to watch that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it's nice to see the presence under the tree finally, and uh, now I, now I'm just excited for people to finally receive the presence and and the look of look of glee on their faces when uh, when they open them up. And then if they don't look happy enough, then I give out to them and say, "You're supposed to look happy now. You're opening my present. Come on now. I didn't buy didn't buy that for nothing. I I, I want the big uh, Steve Austin." coming out in Mick Foley match pop for this tat that I bought you. So come on now, give us, give us a smile at least. <laughs> so that's it. Very good. Very good. What about you? Uh, oh no, we've done it. That's yeah, three. Yeah. But we've all, we've all had the set our bits. Um, Yo, yeah. So let me interrupt quickly, right? Go on. Th- this is the 499th episode of this show. And, for all intents and purposes, is the last normal one of the year, right? Mm. Because we're going to do 500 and then take Christmas off. Mm. So I thought it would be a good opportunity as a special Christmas gift to the listeners. Yes, who we love. To do a a special Christmas explain or candy cane. Oh, no. no. Uh, Wait a second. And the... Oh, oh, wait a minute now. It's Christmas. Ho, 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 and all that. The Wondertaker. No, I couldn't come up with a Wondertaker Christmas pun. Don't the, judge me. And the Donner Taker. That's worse than not having a pun. <laughs> uh, and the reason for this, right, is I was thinking as I watched MTV Christmas today. MTV was, Christmas? Yeah, there's a Christmas uh, MTV channel. What is all the best Christmas songs on it? Oh, uh, okay. And I was thinking, right? Fairy tale in New York, Irish, but let's include it anyway. Uh, Wham! Last Christmas, Wizard, which could be Christmas every day. Um, yeah. The Paul McCartney one, uh, simply having uh, uh, Christmas time. The John Lennon one, uh, Slade. But Elton John. Well, not rubbish, Elton John. But what's the thing that unites all of these? They're all like UK songs. Yeah, uh, I'm sure at Buble with his like seven different Christmas albums as well. Um, well this is the thing, right? It got me thinking, is this one of those cultural divides that we're not aware of? Like, what Christmas songs do they have in America? If all the ones that we know as being the Christmas songs are all like English artists. They only, have, they only play old ones. If you listen, yeah, well, to, you listen to Christmas radio in America, they only play stuff from the fifties and sixties. It's like Bing Crosby, yeah, yeah, oh, singing Frosty the Snowman. That's all. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I've gone to, uh, and you know how good I am for finding accurate countdown lists online. Oh, yeah. as, yes, per as, we, as we know, as we know, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, um, I found a list of the top twenty Christmas songs according to. Uh, and trust me, I tried to find as American a website I could, countryliving.com. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and we count down their 20 songs and see what we think about them. So okay. number 20, and if, we've, and, and if we've ever heard them. 
I think that'll be interesting. That'll be a treat. Number 20. Now, keep in mind, the 20 best Christmas oh, songs. We, we Need a Little Christmas by Angela Lansbury, your one-off <laughs> Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> Did she also write that? <laughs> um, I've never heard that song, so I never can't comment. Heard of that. I, did, I did not know Angela Lansbury made music. I'll be quite honest. Uh, she sang that one song in Beauty and the Beast, and that was pretty okay. good. Number nineteen. It's a, it's a, an English group. Christmas rapping by the Spice Girls. I've oh. no recollection of that. No, never heard of it. Assume that never. That's a cover of Christmas rapping by the waitresses. It is a cover. That's but correct. Why have they put but, the cover uh, in, not the original? Uh, presumably, they like it more, Joe. I don't know. I didn't make the list. <laughs> but that's Balax. Uh, number eighteen, "Happy Holiday" by Peggy Lee. No. Mm, no, that one sounds like one that you might recognize, but not by name. Possibly. Happy holiday. Huh? Happy I don't know. Holiday. Yeah, something like that. Number seventeen, uh, "The Nutcracker" by Tchaikovsky. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> uh, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, left field. We'll take it. Uh, 16, Christmas in New Orleans by Louis Armstrong. Christmas in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect the best ever Louis Armstrong impression. <laughs> I have not heard that, but, you know, Louis Armstrong's all right. I'm sure. Louis? Did we forget Louis on the line? <laughs> Hello, Joe. <laughs> we should have saved him. We should have saved him for next week. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dearie> me. Uh, <laughs> number fifteen. Believe not by Cher, but by Josh Groban. Oh. What? I, I like. I, I no offense to Josh Groban. I cannot imagine how horrible that probably is. It was. It was written for the Polar Express. Oh God, which I have not watched actually. I think that I think that is on our list for this year because she's seen. I probably seen it. I haven't. Yeah, number fourteen. The most wonderful day of the year from Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. The 1964 stop motion. No, no. It's the uh, pa- is that one the uh, happiest time of the year. That one. No, that's. Uh, well, it's, it's it's the most wonderful day of the year. I think the one you're singing is the most wonderful yeah. time of the year. Isn't oh, it? sorry, my bad, my bad. Yeah. Maybe it's a rip off of that one. Uh, Thirteen. Now, to be fair, this one is good. Carol of the bells. Carol of the bells. Isn't Carol of the bells the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that one's good. Um. 12, Winter Wonderland by Ella Fitzgerald. I assume that's walk, like walking walk in. Winter 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 Winter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 11, Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Bruce Springsteen. Oh, that's, good. that's a good one. That's a good one. I don't think I've ever heard Bruce's no, version. No, I don't think I've heard the boss's version of that. I think you'd like, yeah. I think you'd like that one. Yeah. All right, okay, okay. Uh, 10, Pretty Paper by Willie Nelson. No. Oh. Listen, I respect how much Willie Nelson loves getting high. I don't think I've ever liked any song he's ever been a part of. <laughs> I know what he's using that paper for, and it's not rapping. Hey, 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 oh, Christmas trees, is it, Willie? Eh? Oh. <laughs> Number nine, Sleigh Ride by the Ronettes. What? And I just want to point out, by the way, the point of this segment isn't to, that all these songs are bad. It's just I've never heard of some of them. And... I don't know. They're we- a bit weird. <laughs> Sleigh Ride by the Renettes. I don't know. I've never heard it. I think I do know that one. 
Okay. Oh, that one? Okay, I do know that one. Uh, number eight, the Carpenters, speaking of, uh, there's no place like home for the holidays. And it's a song with parentheses, Joe, Ooh, which we were talking about great. off air. That's a feature that's coming. Look forward to that <laughs> in the new year. And we have another one at number seven, the little drummer boy. Brackets Peace on Earth yeah. by uh, <laughs> by uh, <laughs> wife Peter Bing Crosby and David Bowie. Peace on Earth. Yeah, I know that that uh, that song that doesn't go together at all. No. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, where there's just two lads singing completely different songs that don't uh, match. Here's an egregious one. Number six. Please come home for Christmas by Bon Jovi. Oh, oh. I, mean, I just never heard that, but again, yeah. the prospect sounds horrible. Yeah, uh, five beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Yeah, by Michael, Michael Bublé. Right, no, wow, why the Bublé one? Oh, no, like, Bublé I, one. I, I respect his hustle, but he just makes me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, um, number four, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer by Harry, Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, fair enough. Fine. Classic. I mean, it's a bit naff. You Rudolph wouldn't, song. You wouldn't really listen to it, would you? Yeah, but it's the one that everyone, like, literally everyone knows that one, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, number three, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus by Hor- Jackson 5. Horrendous, embarrassing song that, like, like oh, just terrible. That no one likes. <laughs> no, they, yeah, no one likes that song. That's actually the real clincher. No one actually <laughs> likes that song. Uh, number two. Last Christmas by Wham. Oh, here we go. Here we go. That would be my number one, but you know. Any predictions what number one is going to be? Uh, I wish it could be Christmas every day. No, Mariah. Mariah. Oh, of course, it is, Mariah. It is Mariah. It's all I want for Christmas is you, Mariah Carey. One thing I noticed about this list is it's it doesn't have the same 70s naffness that our Christmas songs are with Wizard as as Barry guest mm. there and Slade and um John Louis and, and like, you know, stuff like that. It's, it doesn't have that same yeah. feeling to it. And it's it's like also like a lot of like newer stuff in there that I was kind of surprised by. Um No fairy tale in New York either I was like that's what Christmas is all about. You're having a laugh. And they'd love yeah. that. They'd love having fucking two months of culture war about that word. They'd love it. It's all they fucking do over there. How, how do they not have that song? <laughs> well, this list is actually uh, a best 69 Christmas songs. Why 69? I have no idea. They're Randy <laughs> over country life, I guess. Oh, I thought I'd be alright. Yeah, Fairy Tale of New York placed at number 36. Yeah. <sighs> Like um, I have to it, there's no way the Bon Jovi thing is better than Fairy Tale, whatever it is. No. My favorite Christmas song, for what it's worth, uh, is Wizard, uh, yeah. which could be Christmas every day. I, lo- I love the when the snowman brings the snow as the song fades out. I love it. Um, one thing I have to say is this year, right? As I this is my thirty third Christmas of Hello. my life. Yeah, this is the year I've started to get a bit sick of Fairy Tale New York. Yeah, and and nothing to do with the lyrical content or no, the context no, 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 or no. time in which it was written or the discourse about it. None of that. No, just it's it's the same thing as Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah. 
I've just heard it 10,000 times. I don't hear it anymore. Yeah. I'm, I've done it. I'm done with it. You've, you've, you, heard, you hear it a million times every year. It's on every countdown or you know, a bit of fluff about Christmas music on telly. Uh, you've heard it covered to death, good and bad. He, uh, they, they wheel him out once a year on the late night shows to performers if he can you know, stand. Um, uh, yeah, it is, it is, it is played to death. I mean, I think that is actually kind of, I think that is culturally like our equivalent of the Mariah Carey stuff. It's like when Christmas starts, you hear that song fucking 12 times a day, just going down to the shops. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's great, but yeah, it is, it is the most, it is the most overdone thing. It's like the monster mash of Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Okay, that's it. Good stuff. Not really a debate, but no, uh, that was interesting, though. I, I you know, uh, you wanted. I just wanted to say the the name of the segment, really. Yeah, you. But you, you continue to find absolutely perplexing lists online. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so we will jump there uh, from our, our, our festive segment back into our, our, your regularly scheduled programming uh, with a bit of uh, telly guff, um, which uh, is a bit uh, sparse this week. Uh, I haven't really seen much telly still watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. I haven't, I haven't really seen much else. Uh, what have you boys been watching, though? Uh, well, all, all caught up with the old Mandalorian. Um if I, are you two up to date? Are you still? I haven't actually started it yet. I really got to get on back. No, I, I'm three behind now. Okay, well, I'm, I'm up today. I've been watching them weekly uh, this time, so they've been really good. I won't go into too much about the episode, but it was a, it was another really good one. Um, kind of the the, the setting, um, the planet that they're on had kind of some some Vietnam War parallels. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, so I don't want to spoil the plot, but yeah, really, really tense, really good episode. Um, of a show which I'm uh, really, really enjoying. Um, I think the one thing we haven't mentioned here in, in Telegraph is, of course, the Disney Investor Conference that happened oh, yes. earlier in the week, where they announced yeah. uh, literally about 120 TV shows <laughs> now, no exaggeration, and about 35 movies as well. That come out in two or three Do you know what it reminded me of a little bit? Do you remember that episode of South Park where they like lampooned Family Guy and they had the manatees... Mm-hmm doing the jokes it's as if they disney have the same thing where it's just a manatee pool full of balls with like old property plus uh, avengers star because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> some of them are just the most it's the buzz lightyear prequel series with chris evans that, in it for no reason yeah that is such a like the story behind the toy. I'm like, what are you even on about? Make something new, for God's sake. <laughs> the origin is he's a toy. They did that already in the first movie. And I think the, the appeal of Toy Story is like, it's you don't really give a shit what the toys are based on. It's Spaceman and Cowboy. It doesn't matter what it's what it's supposed to be. Oh yeah. dear, yeah, and then yeah, like you said, that's a, the the I love the the manatee comparison. It's like, it's the uh, origins of uh, 
that that guy with a snake head who stands next to Jabba the Hutt for a few scenes in the original trilogy, starring uh, Riz Ahmed. I don't know. <laughs> Directed by Ryan Coogler. Uh, John Favreau in um, uh, the the story of the little kids who goes, because someone must have changed the system in, in episode two. <laughs> <laughs> was it one of the Star Wars ones? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I was reading through the tweets the morning after because I obviously wasn't paying any attention to it. But there was one of the the series was announced as like will build to a cross promotion climax, and I'm like, but what is the show? What is it about? Yeah, it's only it's only point of existence is to build to a crossover with something else. It doesn't have any of its own reason for being. Yeah. And then it's just like Beauty and the Beast prequel. Bell <laughs> just like buys bread. Is that what it is? Like what's the point of any of this? The beast, but he's not yet a beast. It's just a bloke. Moana series. With the rock knot in it probably. Um <laughs> He's not lowering himself to some fucking direct to digital uh series, not a chance. Um, a hundred, uh, like literally scraping the bottom of the barrel of the comic book stuff at this stage as well. She Hulk with Tim Roth again. Remember, he was in Hulk. No, neither do I. That is something they're doing now. Is um, just bringing bringing back a random actor who was in a franchise, and uh, as if that's something to be worthy, kind of in of itself. So like Hayden Christensen being in, um. Obi Wan's series. Uh, oh my god! Who did I see tweet about that? Something like, uh, like it was. As, I don't know what they said exactly, but they retweeted that as if it was like brilliant news. I know, and I'm like, he was rubbish in a rubbish movie. What is good about him being brought back? Uh, yeah, and he will be Darth Vader. He's going to be in, just be in the suit as well. What? So what does it matter? It's bollocks. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, I, this was like I understand it was like an investor call or whatever, but mm-hmm. it was there was no it was quantity over quality. It was just a hundred things for their streaming service. Which, in any case, the appeal of the streaming service is you get all the all the Disney movies and then like the Simpsons. Like I would say, that's why ninety five percent of people who are subscribed that's why they subscribe. Yeah. I don't know that people are subscribing for Dumbo prequel series starring Robert Downey Jr. or whatever. I don't know. Like, it, it depends. If it's something like The Mandalorian that is genuinely, you know, a good series, um, it's kind of worth, you know, having. But it. this is, but this is the problem though, is that when there is it's worth getting the subscription for original content like The Mandalorian, but they need to bring stuff of that quality make it worth it otherwise you know it's a bit like netflix now they have they have all their own stuff but most of it you wouldn't bother watching well this is the thing compared to netflix right netflix has obviously shows some shows that are very good and some shows that are not so good and don't get any like uh momentum behind them whether it's in online or whatever right with with i I think it's harder for on, on disney plus because it, it, there's not so much of a variance of the stuff on there. It's either Star Wars, Marvel, or a prequel to something, it seems. Yeah. 
And to me, it seems like even if one of the new Star Wars shows, let's say hypothetically, all the stars align. I know I use that phrase too often, but all the stars align and one of these new shows is as good as Mandalorian. The fact that they're releasing 15 of them, to me, makes it seem like it's going to be too easily lost in the mm-hmm. bunch. Um, I mean, we have to wait and see, ultimately. But when I got Disney+, Plus and it was, um, as I said, Disney movies, The Simpsons back catalog, a Star Wars s- series that was interesting and seemed, okay, I'll watch that. Uh, and then WandaVision and Captain not Captain America, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like, oh, you get all the movies and um, Simpsons and a Star Wars series and two Marvel series. And I feel like, okay, I can watch those. You know? As someone who has a hard time anyway, keeping up with TV. But that's enough for me. For them to turn around and go, okay, now there's a hundred more. I'm not going to have time to watch all of these. Especially when it seems like their approach to doing them is for them to be in interconnected and pay off in a, a big cross series finale. I'm not going to have time to watch star Wars, uh, Lando or star Wars, uh, the foot soldiers or whatever, like rise of the r- r- troopers or something like I don't have time for all of these. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Too much, too much. Less is more sometimes. Yeah, they also announced there's so many things they announced, like uh, Sister Act 3. And oh, today I didn't even see that. Yeah, exactly. There's all this stuff that you got buried under the 50 Star Wars things, like a new Mighty Ducks coming out with um, Gordon Bombay coming back and with Lorelei from Gilmore Girls. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, there's all, all this stuff. A remake of Three Men and a Baby with uh, Zac Efron. <laughs> <Zac> Efron. Yeah. <laughs> Playing the baby, I think. Yeah, um, yeah it's a lot, a lot of stuff. There's, there's the odd thing in there that, that I would be excited about, definitely. Maybe, you know, movies or a couple of series in there. But, God, I don't know they announced so much at once. So there's a problem with one company owning all of entertainment. Is that their announcements are never-ending. But um, yeah, that was that was the Disney call. Um, in other TV news this week, we saw the return of 90 Day Fiance um, to our screens. Uh, I've reviewed that before, spoken a lot about the uh, 90 Day Multiverse. Um, so this is actually a new series of the original show, so the, the original 90 Day Fiance, uh, which is where uh, foreigners go to America to spend 90 days uh, living under a fiance. What's it called? A K2 visa, whatever it is, K1 visa, um, to see what life in America is like and to see what life with their potential wife or husband is like. So that that return, we've been watching that. Um, it's pretty pretty good. Um, I think they've got about like three different Ukrainian women on it, though. It seems to be a little bit skewed towards um, sort of Ukrainian women who look like Instagram influencers <laughs> right. marrying sort of clueless Americans. So I don't know if they've overdosed on that a little bit. We'll see how that, how that plays out. But yeah, that looks, that looks promising. Be watching that. And uh, yeah, it's been about the, the TV for this week. Alrighty. Um, I guess we can jump then into the game golf. Uh, what have you been playing boys? 
Well, I um, first of all finished Super Liminal. Oh yes, yeah. Um, that game's great. Big thumbs up. Big recommendation on that. As I said last week, it's, it rips off other games a little bit too much, but uh, as its own visual, interesting puzzle game, uh, big thumbs up. It's only like two hours, two and a half hours long, so right. good fun. Um, I'm still on Super Mario Sunshine. Whee! Not progressing as quickly as Joe did. Um, because we're so busy, busy this week, I uh, just didn't have a huge amount of time to play it. Um, so I'm on about 38 shines thereabouts. Okay. I've dipped my, I've dipped my toe into at least the first four levels, which are, let me see if I can remember them. Uh, Bianco Hills. Yeah. Uh, Rico Harbor. Yeah. Gelato Beach. Oh yeah. Which is just the most generic level <laughs> in any Mario game. Just the beach. That's literally. Um, and then Pinna Park, which is um, the theme park level, which is also a really, really tiny level um, that features a load zone when you go, like there's a little beach area of it, which is tiny. And then you can see the archway into mm. where all the rides are. Yeah. And when you go through it, it loads the other part of the level. So it's not one cohesive level, even though it's like smaller than a Mario 64 level. Yeah. Really strange the way they made it. Um, and overall, the game, and this is something I've noticed as I've d- done multiple levels, because I think last time we spoke, I had only done the first two. Um, the game is really small. Um, oh, it doesn't yeah. feel as expansive even as something like Mario 64. Like we talked before about the variety of levels and that they all feel the same. But the the levels are so small and the game world is very small. So it feels like this very, very tiny game. Yeah, true. It's like, a, it's like one of those little kind of handheld games you could buy that's just one game in a little handheld thing. It does feel very handheldy, actually. That's a good point. Yeah, one of those ones you'd get in like a little plastic pack in Woolworths or something. (laughs) Well, not even that, but it feels like, you know, over the last few years, it would be that you would have the the console Mario game or console Zelda game, and then you'd have the DS version or the 3DS version, which would be, you know, the same for all intents and purposes, but would be a much smaller scaled game. And this feels a little bit like... And you can imagine now that the Switch is, is a handheld console for all, you know, it, it isn't than it is. But like, if you had never played um, Sunshine before, you could believe that Odyssey was the console version and Sunshine is like the handheld game. <laughs> yeah. um, for as much as it will still take me probably a good 20 hours to complete, it still feels much smaller than I, I remembered it being or that I anticipated it being. Um, and that's in part, uh, obviously due to the size of stuff, but also the fact that so much of it is just retreading your steps, doing the same things again and again and again. Uh, and, and obviously more of a leaning in towards collecting loads of coins. Cause that's what the game seems to be about nowadays. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play it up until Christmas and whether or not I have 120 stars at that stage, 
um, that's when I'm going to stop playing it <laughs> because uh, I have uh, other games uh, around the corner in the queue. I have Watch Dogs to play on Christmas. I have Hitman 3 coming out the month after. Um, and Super Mario Sunshine might be a game that I get the whatever the minimum like 70 stars to complete is and like beat whatever the final boss is. Uh, and then maybe down the line, I can come back and collect the um, the missing shines. The thing is that a lot of the shines aren't fun to collect yeah. in the first place. Um, un- cool. Yeah, unlike Mario 64, which, as we've discussed over the last few months, Mario 64 has its own problems. Like I can I can easily overlook them because I adore I adore that game. But one thing that I can say about Mario 64 is. Not doing the 120 stars, you feel like you're missing out parts of the game. Because mm-hmm. um, you can beat it with 70 stars. But if I were to do that today, I'd feel like, oh, I'm missing out. There's there's fun stuff in the game I haven't done yet, you know? Whereas Mario Sunshine already, I'm like, I if I could um, just skip this fucking Sandbird level, <laughs> uh, I'd absolutely be happy to do that. Or... Um, I don't know if I can be arsed doing the 100 coins on every level because it, I don't know how they made it more more laborious than it was in Mario 64 with smaller levels, but somehow they did. Yeah, um, yeah I don't. I'm really coming down on the side of not liking Mario <laughs> <laughs> And this is the like, third or fourth time I've come back to it. And I've always had in my mind... It's probably good. I just didn't give it enough of a chance. And now that this is finally the time where I've put everything aside, I'm only playing Mario Sunshine, I can I can almost a quarter of the way through the game definitively say uh, it's not good. Mario controls like shite. Um, and the fact that you then have unlock Yoshi and use Yoshi for certain areas of the game, Yoshi controls even worse. Yeah. Jumping on Yoshi is near impossible because of the way Mario controls. Mm-hmm. Um, if Yoshi falls into water, he dies, and you have to go back and respawn. Uh, and that doesn't that doesn't help when most of the world is water. And he dies if you don't feed him fruit. Uh, it's, oh, it's it's not fun to you, Yoshi. <laughs> Yoshi as a power up should be something that makes the game easier to play. Yeah, at least more fun. More fun, but like Yoshi should be the equivalent of the the fire flower or the cape in Mario World. You know, Yoshi's not there to be a character. He's a power-up. He allows you to access the things you normally could not access to. Um, but he's a pain to use. <laughs> like, he makes the game less fun. So, I don't know. Look, um, as I said, I'm going to persevere with it. I'm going to get as many shines as I can. But when it comes down to, like, I might just set myself the benchmark of get at least the eight shines on each level. Yeah. And not bother with the secret shines, the coin collecting shines, although Ugh. I'm sure I'll get enough blue coins to get some shines. Um, but I'm, I'll pretty much maybe only do that. I don't know. It, it's not a game that I feel the, the draw to complete it 100%. And really, I admire, Joe, that you did. Yeah, it was just because I've done all the other ones. I was like, well, I've got to do Sunshine as well. Yeah, I mean, 
I that happened to me with the Zelda games. To be fair, like I hundred percented five or six of them in a row, and when I got to Breath of the Wild, I was like, "Look, I've beat this game before. I'm not doing all the side quests that don't benefit me to do them anymore. I've done them before. I'm not doing it." Um. So yeah, I don't know. Um. Moving on from Mario Sunshine, I started playing Golf Story. Ooh, a good game. It's on sale on the Switch store. Um, yeah, it's real fun. I'm only maybe an hour into it. Um, I didn't finish it. I think it's a little too long. I think uh, the the novelty of what it's doing is very fun, but I, I didn't, it didn't stick with it. I'll be curious to see if you finish it. Yeah, I think it is. Did I see online that's like 15 hours or something? Yeah, yeah. That does seem very long for what it is. But the golf is fun in it and is like, reminds me of those old, not necessarily Mario golf, but old like PC golf games that yeah, I used yeah. to like play. Um, so the golf is very solid in it. And then the RPG mechanics are yeah, very simple, admittedly, but. Um, I like how side quests are all kind of golf based, and so as a as a kind of mishmash, it does work for me. But yeah, like you said, I'm not sure that the novelty will necessarily last uh, 15 hours. When I was getting sick of Last of Us two after 15 yeah, hours, yeah. I don't know how long Golf Story is going to last. Um, but it's fun. It's fun so far, uh, and also I have completed the the let's say original content for Hyrule Warriors. Um. Because now that I'm, because I'm playing the, um, what's the name of it? Definitive Edition on the Switch. It has all the DLC included. Mm. So what I'm playing now is the DLC content for the original game. Uh, and that game is still very fun. I, I've passed 10 hours in it now. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say that it's it's um, kind of losing its luster or anything, but the, definitely the battles do eventually get a bit repetitive but as i'm playing it as like i'm watching football or something i'll play one level on it and for that it's perfectly good uh and the tie-in to the zelda stuff is still fun and still interesting um so i'm into it but I, i'm in the home stretch now with these games of mario sunshine as i said is only till christmas it has a very definitive finish date <laughs> Golf Story and Hyrule Warriors. Like, Hyrule Warriors, I will play the entire story mode until that's done. That's fine. And then Golf Story, will see how long it sticks with me. I got it for, like, five euros. So if I played for, like, five, ten hours, that's enough, you know? Um, so that's what I've been playing anyway. What about yourselves? Well, on, on, the Mario, um, on the Mario tip, I've been playing... Finished Super Mario 2. The, um, the Japanese version, the, the Lost Level. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, got, got to the end of that. Very, very tricky last two worlds there. Um, but I, I've managed to resist using the suspension points, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, all that's cheating. Through. Yeah, that is cheating. So I got all the way through. Um, the only thing is, so I, I completed it, and there is like a World 9 that you can unlock. Mm. Um, but you can only do that if you haven't used the warp um, zone areas. And due to a save problem I had, I... I lost all my progress. So I went back the second time I did it, I used the warp zones just to get back to where I was. So annoyingly, I didn't actually unlock that world. So I think I'm going to have to play it again, maybe like next year or something and, and do it properly. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a great game. Really enjoyed that. Um, just, just, yeah, it's, it's the original Super Mario brothers, but it's a sequel. What more do you want? It's great. 
Um, also then went play, played a little bit of Super Mario 35 because they had a special um, special kind of event on this week uh, with an updated kind of version that you can play that's like way harder than the other one. It sticks you into like World, world 7, Level 1 or something uh, full of enemies and you basically like 10 or 15 people die within about 30 seconds. So you're kind of guaranteed of finishing quite high. So that was fun. And I also uh, made a little purchase of a new game. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's called Doom Eternal. Yeah, hell yeah. It finally came out on the Switch. So I um, used a voucher that I got when I left my, my previous job. I've been, I've been saving, um, put that towards Doom Eternal. So... Uh, got that. Unfortunately, haven't actually downloaded it yet because my Switch basically has no memory left. <laughs> and it's an 18 gig game, and I've got like 15 gigs of uh, memory. Uh, Need to get myself a little memory card. Put that on. Yeah. yeah. Did you just you just had what was in the Switch? Was it the 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 memory here? Yeah, just the basic okay. memory. I didn't realize. Yeah. I got 128 gig mm-hmm. mini SD pretty shortly after I got the Switch, knowing that. It doesn't come with a lot of memory, unfortunately. Yeah, I can't remember what mine is, but I bought one when I when I got it new. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, you you loved the last Doom, didn't you? Oh, I loved a bit of the old the old uh, Doom. Yeah, that yeah, that last game was fantastic. The music, everything was was really really good. So I was looking forward to this one. Glad it's out, um, and I get to play it with an actual controller this time rather than my keyboard and my mouse. So yeah, mm. interesting phenomenon. Um, yeah, but looking forward to playing that. Probably play that after Christmas because I still need to play Super Mario Galaxy. That's coming up next. So, ooh, baby, Doom will be the first game of twenty twenty one, most likely. Lovely. Uh, yeah, I got to get back to the old, the old Doom Eternal. Um, on the um, on the memory front, uh, I <laughs> like a two weeks into having them. It feels like I had my first instance of having to take something off the new consoles um, uh, to install something else on them. And it was actually not the uh, Xbox Series S, which has a very, very small hard drive. Um, it's the PS5. Uh, that that <laughs> console does not have enough storage on it out of the box. Uh, I think it's listed on the box as like 825. And then in, in actuality, when you factor in how much is taken up by the OS... It's like 600 gigs or something like that, which for the the current crop of of, of games this in is not not enough, not enough at all. Um, I can't remember what I got rid of, but I, I installed. I had to clear something off to make room for Cyberpunk, which is 100 gigabytes to play that game. Are you serious? It is one. Yes, sir. 100 gigs. I think it. Um, is that yeah that's that's with the patch i think i think it's one of those ones because the patches have obviously been very sizable for this very broken game they put out um uh but i think it integrates into the 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 overall uh thing yeah 100 gigs like it's it's really baffling to me because i guess like i'll i'll sort of get into my thoughts on it now um i like i don't know what this game is doing that warrants it being over three times the size of watchdogs legion which is also which is a much better looking game that is also i mean i think the cyberpunk is probably overall bigger it's a gigantic world that has way more content and all that other stuff but you know watchdogs is a gigantic 
London with hyper real, like super realistic. It's got those ray tracing puddles and it's got the reflections at every fucking window in the city. And it's got this beautiful, varied mix of people on the streets. And then you boot up cyberpunk and it is like, uh, it's like a game from 10 years ago in terms of the variety of, of NPC on the street. Do you know what I mean? It is like an open world game that feels a couple of generations behind and somehow it's taking up a sixth of my PlayStation 5. Like, it's it's crazy. Um, yeah, so Cyberpunk, I, I it's really big, so I'm not, I'm not, like, writing it off outright. I think I'm about five hours in. I've heard you don't even get to the late title card until around, like, the seventh hour or something mental like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, 100 hours or however long it's going to be to actually beat it. But yeah, I, I'm not really Im- impressed at all with it. I mean, there's two big talking points about this game. There's, there's The one is how broken it is, and two is, like, is it good if it was hypothetically running well? And on those two points, I will say I've had a nightmare trying to play this game. It is crashing on me constantly, um, and, and I'm having ton- tons of, like, some humorous and some actually bothersome glitches that are, that are uh, really taking me out of it. And then... Like, if it was perfectly functional and running perfectly, I don't think I would be having any fun with it anyway. Um, Paul, you played The Witcher? I can't remember what you... Were you a big Witcher yeah. guy? You were. Okay. Because um, the thing about The Witcher, which I put about 20-odd hours into, I didn't finish it, but I, I liked it well enough. It's kind of like you play it, and it's like it's not like a great action game, necessarily. Um, you know, the 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 combat is kind of just a, a piece of the puzzle. That game might be the definition of more than the sum of its parts. I think, um, you know, a little clunky. You know, maybe not the smoothest experience in the world, but wonderful story and world building. And you kind of overlook its shortcomings uh, for the total package, right? And I thought some of the writing in The Witcher was was fantastic. This is like none of the like none of the individual elements. I think are especially entertaining. And I don't think collectively they they are worth more than some of their parts either. Um, I think it's a very like below average like sub Fallout first person shooter. You know how like Fallout is you know not a great FPS, but it's a great RPG, so people tolerate the first person shooting. Right. I, yeah. I, I find Cyberpunk to be a, less entertaining as a first person shooter than than the Fallout games. Um, in that regard, I mean the stealth. I mean, I always skew in favor of stealth because that's how, in games like this because that's how I like to play games. I like stealth right. games. So that stealth is like un- unusable in this game because the enemy, like AI, kind of p- patrol routes are just completely random. They're just turning around. They just see you. Um, uh, you're, you know, it's it's kind of an RPG first and foremost. So the idea of putting on a silencer and shooting someone in the head doesn't do anything because a number will just pop off and say, hey, you did 50 damage. They can see you now because you shot them. But, um, you know, like it's like, okay, that's pointless. Cool. I won't bother trying to do that anymore. Um, you know, it's 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 just all very, very unsatisfying. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not writing it off yet. And I think it's just I, 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 I'm not impressed with it really on any level at all. Uh, currently, um, yeah, there's there's some some little things that kind of give me a gleam of hope. Like I do think sometimes when I'm driving around the world and I'm looking at it, it is it is a nice looking game when it's functioning. Do you know what I mean? And they've created right. this big, beautiful, like you know, Blade Runner ish or Fifth Element ish world. Um, and it's there are those fleeting moments. Where you're like, oh, I, I want this thing to come together and be good. 
um uh, yeah and there is uh, some really good uh branching pads in a mission which i've enjoyed i played one mission where i i fucked it up halfway through and reloaded it and i made some different dialogue choices and i i went some different directions and i was actually very pleasantly surprised with how significant that is um so that so that is impressive but uh if the actual minute-to-minute play isn't great, I don't know if I'm going to stick it out. So yeah, my, my, my time off next week, I think, is going to be spent polishing off, uh, you know, bug snacks, um, maybe a bit more Ghost of Tsushima. And I, I'll kind of see, like, if I if I take some other stuff off my list, I might say, let's go back to Cyberpunk. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm not wowed by it. And I, I will say that even by the mo- modern standards of games where, hey, patches come out, games come out, they, they, they're a little bit busted, you know, whatever, nothing's perfect, a patch comes out. I think this is, like, way beyond the pale, even by the modern standards. Like, like this game is broken. Like, it, it does not work properly, and it crashes all the time. And it's, um, I was having weird shit where, like, if you if you run your, if you aim over a, an item you can pick up, like a health pack or something, you get a little pop-up on the screen saying, this is a health pack, it gives you this much health. And I didn't pick it up and walked away, but the pop-up on the screen just stayed there. And I was like, what the, and, and I couldn't get rid of it. I paused the game, I went back to the PlayStation menu, went back into the game, it was still there. I was like, what the, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And I had to reload my save, and then in the exact same room, I had a tutorial message pop up, because it was early in the game, and then that wouldn't get off the screen, and it's this big, massive text box telling you how stash boxes work, taking up a quarter of the screen, and I couldn't get rid of that. I'm like, oh my god, this is like, this is like, I should be paid for bug testing this game. Um... So yeah, that's the one. That's the one new game I played this week, and it was a big old wet fire. So um, maybe they'll fix it in like six months' time, and I'll I'll go back to it. But yeah, uh, that's the old that's the old game got for me this week. Yeah, I mean for Witcher, for 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 all that we play, like, you play twenty hours. I think I probably played about thirty five. Mm. So I didn't get super into it as. More, more so than you but like my impression of it was it was a, a a very solid solidly built game like it ran very well looked very well as you said good writing good characters um interesting quests and then everything i've seen of cyberpunk is comes off as very bethesda to me almost uh, more so obsidians fallout new vegas was maybe the closest i had to that experience because fallout new vegas on ps3 was the same would crash all the time bugs everywhere yeah that's that's the closest i would get to it although that's a game that i've had an itch to revisit lately is new vegas because compared to fallout 3 and fallout 4 that's the one that i played the least so i might be interested to get that go again sometime. Yeah, I've, I've I've been thinking the same as well. I I only I think I played like some New Vegas at the tail end of that generation, like shortly before I got a PS4. Um, and it's all backwards compatible on the Xbox. I'm like, oh, I should just get it, get it for the two quid it costs, and just play it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah. So I'll, I'll probably have another check in on Cyberpunk next week, uh, and hopefully we'll have better news on that. I have not yet met Keanu Reeves, so you know. Um, he'll fix everything he'll fix everything yeah so um, anyway we'll jump into the old movie guff fellas I've actually got one quick announcement on the game guff so ahead of our 500th episode next week I can exclusively announce I'm going to do the 
uh, definitive ranking of all the Super Mario games <sighs> next week. Wow. Ooh. Ranking them in order of, uh, well, preference, my preference. Um, I haven't started playing Galaxy yet. That is the only thing. I'm going to start playing that next week. So I won't have finished right. it, but hopefully I'll have played enough to make a, an executive decision on that. But that's coming next week. That's in the bag. You're going to get that. Every single Mario game uh, counted down next week. Okay, okay, okay. Looking forward to that. Um, but for now, right, do movies. We, do you want to do movies? Yeah. Uh, I, I can go first because I don't have that much to chat about if you'd like. Um, uh, on the classic uh, uh, movie rewatches uh, for the festive season, uh, I rewatched Home Alone 1. Uh, you know, classic. Um, uh, yep. a, sta- a staple of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone else watch? Someone else watch Home Alone this week? I, I just watched it, for, yeah, this afternoon. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's great. great. Yeah, it's great. You know, it's it's classic. I, the the it's it's I it's like I, I more and more as time goes on, I appreciate like the silliness and like the over the topness of like that that initial scene is so great with the dinner. Um, yeah. yeah, really, really appreciate that. Oh, just Pesci, oh, just Pesci, just all all day. The yeah. king. He's fantastic. Shout, shout out to the mum as well, because she yes. does such a great performance. She's like the emotional kind of heart of the film. She does a great job. Uh, Kathleen, what her name is. O'Hara? Yeah. yeah. And uh, again, not a Christmas film, but just one that we've uh, watched and talked about many times on the show. Rewatched for the first time in a while, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, oh baby, still a good movie. In case you were wondering, has it changed? <laughs> still very, 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 very good. I was wondering, actually. Um, I forgot because I remember like I saw it like twice at the cinema and then straight away once it was out on Blu-ray or whatever. But I haven't watched it since. Ah, it's great. I forgot so many little bits about it. Ah, fantastic movie. When, what's the deal with that sequel? I feel like they're it's been on hold for ages, even pre-COVID. It was on. Were they making a Furiosa movie? I thought. Yeah, they are, but then they recut. It's, it's not going to be um, Theron. No, it'll be someone else. Okay, well that's all right. Um, she is good in it, but you know, I, I, you know, happy with that. But anyway, um, and the only new movie I watched, but it's not even new. It's new to me. Uh, a new festive uh, uh, film that I watched that I thoroughly enjoyed, and I think it, I think it will be part of the holiday rotation uh, going forward. Uh, the night before. Uh, which is a Seth Rogen <laughs> uh, doing the weeds on on Christmas movie. Um, I I thought it was very enjoyable as as one of those movies, but in the Christmas genre, I thought it was great. And I have to say, uh, for a man I've seen play a stoner seven million times, I, I actually thought Rogen gave his best one of those performances in this. He's kind of a he, he kind of plays uh, the the story of the film basically is these three bodies have these uh these this Christmas tradition where uh, one of them Joseph Joseph Gordon Levitt is uh, the main character and his family dies you know about fifteen years ago and so him and his buddies they set about having these like Christmas traditions where they go crazy and they party and they have the best time ever on Christmas Eve uh, but as they've 
time has gone on. The other two, uh, which is Anthony Mackie and Seth Rogen, they've gotten families, they've gotten great jobs, they've moved on and all this other stuff. And it's kind of like a little bit of a, a you know, a frat boys come of age movie. Um, and they're ha- kind of having one last hurrah. That's the, the general gist of it. Um, and Rogan's character is actually kind of a bit of a, a, a stoner turned like uptight family man um, uh, getting ready to settle down. And so he... he, he goes wild on, on, on this one particular night. But it's really great. It has a, a, a really fantastic cast, like loaded with cameos uh, uh, and surprise appearances. you got Nathan Fielder in there, which is always good. Um, Alana Glazer as well is fantastic in it. Uh, and lots of other little cameos here and there. Oh, oh wait, actually, I forgot the, the greatest one, the show stealer in a, in a comedic stoner role, Mr. Michael Shannon. Oh, my God, he is... So good in this movie. Um, very pleasantly surprised with that. So yeah, uh, two thumbs up on that. Very fun. Um, again, yeah, you kind of know what you're going to get going in. It is not going to be the most mind-blowing, thought-provoking comedy you've ever seen in your life. But uh, uh, as a bit of uh, cheeky uh, stoner boy comedy with a Christmas theme, I, I thought it was actually quite lovely. Um, yeah, so I watched that, and that's that's been my movies. Hmm. Okay, okay. I only watched one film, uh, which has nothing to do with Christmas. It's to do with Formula One racing. Ooh. Um, continuing my alphabetized watch through films that I own but have never seen, I watched Ron Howard's Rush from 2013. Um, why I own this film, I'm not sure. Because Ron Howard, to me, is maybe the most boring director in Hollywood. He's a boring man who makes boring films yeah. to be watched by boring people. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was the perfect man to be brought in when um, Solo was being made too fun by Lord and Miller. Kind of the way Skinner in Simpsons brings in uh, Leopold to shout at the kids when things are getting a bit too rowdy. <laughs> Get Ron Howard in, calm this shit down. He'll make it a nice, boring Star Wars movie. I mean, I think it says it all when, when I say that my favorite Ron Howard movie is The Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci? <laughs> Which is uh, by no means a good movie. But, so Rush, I don't know how. I ended up with a Blu-ray steelbook copy of Rush. Oh. I don't know why. Did someone sort of throw it through a window? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I have no memory of buying it. I, it maybe was, I don't think it was, it was even Oscar nominated that year or anything. I don't Mm. know where it came from or how I came to own it because Maybe I just didn't know any better, but like as as far as I remember, I've not really enjoyed any of Ron Howard's films that I've seen. Um, but nevertheless, this was the uh, the one that I chose for the letter R because I have both that and Scarface I own in like a red hmm. steel book. So I said, okay, well they match, so they'll, they'll be the next two I watch. Even though I, I still haven't watched Scarface, still haven't got around to it. Um, but Rush is a biopic, which I also tend not to like, mm. of um, uh, James Hunt and Nikki Lauda, two uh, stars of the the Formula One circuit in the 
the the seventies, I believe. And their their rivalry. And um, if you know anything about these guys, Nicky Lauda was famously involved in a very bad uh, car accident during a race, which resulted very severe burns to his face. Um, and then he came back six weeks later, driving again. And it just it just tells the story of their their rivalry. Um, so going in to the film, knowing that I'm not a big Ron Howard fan and that I expect it to be very boring, and also knowing that I wasn't super hot on uh, Ford and Ferrari this last year. Oh, weren't you? No, I mean, I didn't dislike Ford v. Ferrari, but I just found it a bit bland. Yeah. Char- at least character-wise. Like, I, I, did, I don't remember loving Christian Bale or Mark Wahlberg's performances in it, and I don't remember. Like, I thought the, the, the driving was really, like, well done. I think I think I think it's probably a good example, if any, of why of you know you mentioned you don't really care about biopics. It's like there's a lot of talented people coming around to tell what is actually not that interesting a story as they seem to think. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, and um, and also one thing that Rush has going for it is having seen in the last couple of years, right? This film, Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, Rocket Man. Um, and maybe a few others. One thing that they do a lot in these films is specifically films that are set or partially set in England during the like seventies with famous people is all the secondary characters all look and talk the same. They all made up to look like Naughty Holder from Slade. <laughs> yep. They always have big glasses on. There's always a montage with Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Like, all these films feel the same. <laughs> there's, there's certain elements that are present in all of them. Here's the shocking twist. I thought Rush was pretty good. Ah! I knew he was going to say that. I thought it was definitely the best Ron Howard film I've seen. And it's, it's, it's not down to the direction. It's down to the performances in it. It's um, Daniel Bruhl, who you might remember as the villain in Civil War, but you won't remember the character's name because he wasn't properly built up. But uh, he's like great in it. He's like fantastic in it as, as Nicky Lauda. Um, Chris Hemsworth, very good as James Hunt. Um, there's, there's not a single other person in the film worth mentioning because, as I said, they're all just Naughty Holder. Mm-hmm. But um, those two really carry the film. Brule, in particular, is like really, really fantastic in it. And the story was actually pretty compelling, even though it's apparently like mostly fabricated and that the two guys were actually friends and didn't really have a rivalry. <laughs> they had a friendly rivalry. Um, yeah, I thought it was surprisingly good. Now, I think I gave it like a seven on Letterboxd, so I, I'm not completely in love with it. But I think, and I don't even know whether it, it was necessarily better than something like Ford v. Ferrari. I think I was just in a better mind space with, with, with better, like not better expectations, but like load, load expectations. Um, and I watched it and I was surprisingly into it. Whereas Ford v. Ferrari, I watched towards the end of my like watching 16 Oscar films in a month. And so by that time I, I was pretty burnt out and wasn't really in the mood for that kind of film. Maybe if I watched Ford V Ferrari in isolation in a cinema, I would have enjoyed it more. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought Rush was 
better than it had any right to be. The 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 writing was a, a bit clunky early on. Some of the, some of the dialogue is a bit clunky, but Brule's performance in particular is really top notch, and the the racing stuff is really well done as well. It's a great looking movie. Um, so yeah, better than it should have been. That's my review of Rush. Mm-hmm. I struggle with Formula One movies. Like even, even well, I, I would. I, I can I watch I things. Want. I can watch things that I'm not necessarily interested in in the actual activity, like I don't know golf or something. But I, whenever I try and watch a Formula One movie, I'm just like, oh, this is just as boring as Formula One. It's just fellas <laughs> driving about. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. One thing about Rush, and I'm not trying to like recommend it to you or push it on you or anything, but just in line with that is one thing about Rush is it doesn't have loads of racing scenes mm-hmm. the, the racing is actually kept quite minimal um it's more character stuff uh, but when there is racing stuff it is done well and looks great and is like exciting cool, cool. so we've got we've got oh actually i have one more movie which was um we started watching a plan over christmas is to watch all of the muppets movies Lovely. I think there's about eight of them. I can't remember. I did look them up. Uh, anyway, six, six of them are on Disney Plus, and the other two, which is Muppets Take Manhattan and Muppets in Space, are both on Now TV. So I'm gonna have to resubscribe to that. But yeah, watch the first, the very first Muppets movie from 1979, which is a real kind of cameo fest of uh, 70s uh, comedians and movie stars. And uh, yeah, real real fun movie. Has the kind of Muppet sort of spirit and sense of humor as you'd, ex- as you'd expect. And also very kind of seventies as well in terms of like the references and the music and everything. It's very very funny. Kind of how long that franchise has been going and how it's managed to retain the kind of essential quality of the Muppets while also updating sort of with the time. It's, it's, it's very very good. So yeah, look forward to watching the rest of those brilliant movies over the next few weeks. Lovely. Uh, we'll move on then from our various guffs in to some features. What features do we have this week, Boyles? Well, we've got uh, Dwayne Johnson Busters. Oh, baby. Here we go. So I've um, actually did this a, a couple of weeks ago now. We could, didn't have time to do it last week, but I've mm. got an AEW special uh, okay. Dwayne Johnson Busters. The first one ever. Excellent. We haven't done it since AEW existed. <laughs> We've done it once since uh, like, yeah. that company. So uh, I've got five five clues here. So I, as usual, I will give you the clue, and you can you can have a bit of a guess. Uh, basically, first person shout it out gets the point. Uh, okay. If you can't get it after I don't know a minute or something, I will give you the initials. Okay. So here we go. Clue number one. <clears throat> Are you uh, are you going to the Man United Man City game, Mister Partridge? Darby <laughs> Allen. Oh, he's got it. He's got it. <laughs> very he's good. Got it. He's got it. Very oh, good. Oh, very oh, good. Oh, very good. Yeah. Oh, are you going to the Manchester United Man City <laughs> game? That's, that's the Derby, <laughs> and Mister Partridge is of course Allen. Derby. Very good. Darby. And it works. Darby it works. Allen. Derby Allen. Derby yeah. Allen. Perfect. Um, it's the best Dwayne Johnson buster that's ever been done. That's yeah, it's probably among the best. Yeah. Uh, okay, number two. <clears throat> the morale in this part of the hospital isn't very high. 
Wardlow. Oh, wow. Wow. Barry, come on. Get in the game. It works as well. It he's, works. He's coming out too strong. I, I, like, oh, God. I was, try, I was trying to think. Of, I was like, is some ER? Is ER the Winnie the Pooh character? Like, oh, yeah. The morale in this possible isn't very high. Ward, yeah. low. Ward, low. It works. It works. Ward, low. Um, okay, so number three. So, Barry, come on. Pay attention. Wait. All right, here we go. Ears open, ears open. <clears throat> I've just inherited some cooker tops. What would you call those? Uh, more hubs. Oh, oh my god. Like I I can't I I have no excuse. I have no excuse. Fall's just too good. Yeah. I've just I've just inherited some cooker tops. What would you call those? Will Hobbs. They're Will no, Hobbs. That's excellent. That's another great one. Okay. Yeah. Number we're getting through very quickly. Number four. <clears throat> you know uh you know that uh Paul Hollywood? He's one of these. Brit Baker. Ow! <laughs> I don't know who that is to be fair. <laughs> I'm the best player in this game there's ever been. <laughs> this is why I came up with the game, and I'm usually the quiz master and not the. <laughs> I think the problem is I've, they all make sense. Yeah. yeah, they all make sense. They all work. So yeah. I'm getting my pen and pad out here for no reason. So uh, yeah. okay, go on. I, I'll, I'll I'll give it a few seconds this time before. Okay. I don't think that will help. But go on. Uh, yeah, so Paul, Paul Hollywood's one of these. Brit Baker. He's a British baker. Um, so yeah, number five. Number five. <clears throat> Would you prefer this French cheese, Mr. Guerrero and Mr. Kingston? <laughs> Would you prefer oh, this what? French cheese, Mr. Guerrero and Mr. Kingston? Oh, that's a tough one. Would you prefer this French cheese, Mr. Guerrero and Mr. Kingston? Mm. 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 I don't know that one. That's my French strong performance in the previous one. Mm, would you prefer this French cheese, Mr. Guerrero and Mr. Kingston? Mm. Mm. No. You got any initials? Yeah. yeah. The initials. <clears throat> the initials are A E. Aubrey Edwards. Yeah. Oh, uh, very good. Yeah. No. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Aubrey Edwards. Yeah, Aubrey. Yeah. Aubrey. Aubrey. Aubrey Edwards. Very good. There we go. It works. It works. Five five nil to Paul. That is. Yeah. As. A stomping, a stomping. Fair yeah, enough. Stomping there. That was like Lesnar versus Cena from, from back in the day. Yeah, finished him off. So yeah, well done, Paul. Um, so- I, I like watching Rush. I surprised even myself there. <laughs> good, good quiz. Uh, have we got another one of those next week, Paul? Have you got a few? Though? I do. I have a few. Britt Baker was one of mine. That's maybe why I got it so quickly because I had it in my head. Okay, you've, been, you've been thinking them through. Yeah. Okay. So we'll have, we'll have another edition of uh, Dorian Johnson Busters next week. 
Um, but I believe, now, I believe now we have a little bit of CSP has issues. Yes. Yeah, we're going to take a little trip into the past via Power Slam magazine. Ooh. Um, this week we are having a look at the November 2005 issue. Uh, issue 136, which has on the cover Brock Lesnar. Brock really is back. Lesnar wins the IWGP world title in his first match since WrestleMania 20. Wow. Uh, other headlines on the cover. Unforgiven, full coverage of Matt Hardy's Night of Glory. It's, it's just sorry, on Brock on the cover. It is, it is yeah. weird, like... Unless they got someone like Sting when he was in TNA, those those Brit magazines, they always liked to go with a WWE guy, uh, a current WWE guy, uh, on the cover. So it's very interesting that you know Brock in New Japan, he was still a big enough name that they want they wanted him on the cover. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's red tights, Brock. Yeah, Lesnar. Red, yeah, tights, Brock. Uh, maximum exposure. Why Mick Foley returned to WWE and. And if that wasn't enough for you to buy the magazine, and Al Snow, <laughs> uh, AJ Styles, and Kenta Kobashi. So we'll go first to uh, what's going down, which is the the news update. Uh, now, one thing you might uh, might have occurred to you already is November two thousand and five. In that issue, we are unfortunately covering the final days of Eddie Guerrero. Mm. Um. Eddie Grow has turned over a new leaf, or has he? So he was obviously doing that. Uh, will he? Won't he? Turn with uh, Batista. Batista. Yeah, yeah. They had just made evented No Mercy, which was uh, described as the least interesting pay per view of two thousand five. Completely overshadowed by the publicity for Raw Homecoming six days earlier. That was a yeah. Raw. Had left TNN. And go back, back to USA. Yeah, USA. Um. So yeah, it covers the 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 Batista Guerrero friendship rivalry continued. They ended the program as allies, or maybe they were enemies. No one could say for certain. It might read like a cliffhanger climax and dynamic last chance push for No Mercy, but believe me, it wasn't. Uh, writes Finn. Um. What else we have? Yeah, obviously Raw Homecoming then was the big show on, if I can find it here quickly, uh, October 3rd. Do you remember much about Raw Homecoming? Uh, uh, loads of cameos and celebrities, uh, not celebrities, uh, like Attitude Era stars. Did they, did they do the Bischoff firing on that show? No, I think that was 2006. Okay, okay. Um, no, I remember it not being very good, but I don't remember much about it. All right, let me let me run through what happened on that show. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle fought to a two-all draw in a 30-minute Ironman match. Oh, that sounds great, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was a credi- creditable effort, but couldn't hold a candle to their bouts at WrestleMania Vengeance. Mm. Steve Austin nailed Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, and finally Linda McMahon, with Stone Cold Stunners in a 31-minute segment. Oh, God, that sounds like hell. Which lasted 20 minutes too long and featured some breathtakingly bad interplay between Stone Cold and Linda. What's more, Austin's stunner on Linda was the worst ever, 
Uh, and incidentally, the Austin McMahon segment overran, which meant the rest of the matches and segments of the program had to be shortened. That's just Triple H and Rick. That's right. I was going to say that's, that's two segments taking up the first hour of the show. I <laughs> know oh, this isn't necessarily a full rundown. This is just the important parts. Triple H and Ric Flair beat Carlito and Chris Masters in a possible match, after which the game turned heel on Flair and annihilated him with a sledgehammer. Mm. And lastly, Hulk Hogan challenged Steve Austin to a match at WrestleMania. So, of course, that would never take place. Uh, other notable occurrences from this month in the deals and departures section, Mark Muhammad Hassan Kopani was released from his WWE contract on September 21st after the two sides were unable to agree on what his future role with the company would be. Uh, he had obviously been off TV for two or three months at that stage. Uh, and also, WWE offered UFC commentator Mike Goldberg the lead announced job on Raw yeah. in early October. Wow. How different things he could have been. He didn't take it, but you know, that was a very interesting development. Yeah, he was offered a six-figure offer, but ultimately decided that an association with WWE would jeopardize his long-term career prospects. There you go. Uh, moving on. So let's catch up with what's the Ultimate Warrior doing in 2005? The Ultimate Warrior had responded on his website last month to the allegations made against him by WWE in the now infamous Self-Destruction of the Ultimate Warrior DVD, which comes highly recommended by Power Slam, by the way. On Vince McMahon's claim that he could not wait to fire Warrior after SummerSlam 91, Warrior wrote, What I think you meant to say, Vince, was... Hire me, not fire me. I worked for the WWF on three separate occasions after you fired me, uh, only once, and that was in 1992. Every time I left, you tracked me down and come begging to bring me back. Never once did I call you or anyone else from the WWF <laughs> to come back. You always came to me. And on Triple H's criticism of him, Warrior stated, I'm the most unprofessional person you've ever stepped in the ring with. Well, it sure sounds like I taught you very well in the five minutes you had in the ring with me, because from what I hear, you are the biggest unprofessional asshole the business has ever seen. <laughs> and you're all a bunch of raging hope. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, it is it is mad in hindsight that like WWE obviously has all their beefs. And they obviously do hit piece documentaries, but they just outright called it the self destruction of a guy who was still alive and all that. Like he was still around. Okay, moving on. Also notable this month, October the 1st. Why would that be an important date? October the 1st was the night that TNA Impact finally hit the big time, the premiere of the show on Spike TV. And it was. A success. The first show drew 850,000 viewers in the late night time slot. Uh, up from the 0 0.6 to 0 0.78 rating uh, from which WWE had pulled the previous week for the final installment of Velocity on Spike. So, you know, TNA re received more encouraging news when the second episode of Impact attracted 994,000 viewers. Mm -hmm. So this was, um, what, what day? Was this on Thursdays? It's been Thursday since launch, I'm pretty sure, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, artistically, however, Impact on Spike has been a minor dis disappointment so far. 
Too many bouts, angles, and segments rushed into a one-hour program and allows nothing sufficient space to breathe. We're hopeful that TNA will rectify this shortly. So there you go. Um, On the October 8th show, so only two weeks in, UFC star Tito Ortiz (laughs) laid down the law to the NWA champion Jeff Jarrett and his challenger Kevin Nash and separated the two grapplers when they began brawling. So they're already doing Tito Ortiz angles two weeks in. Um, moving on, we have Q and A. Let me see what page is on fourteen. Is that the thing Drake Younger loves? <laughs> <laughs> now, somebody writes in. Um, Phil Dixon from West Yorkshire asks, "What were the alarming remarks that Stephanie McMahon and Bradshaw made about nine eleven on the September thirteenth, two thousand and one SmackDown?" Uh, Stephanie McMahon compared the deaths of thousands of people as a result of the terrorist attacks on September 11th, 2001, to the sex and steroid scandals, government investigations and steroid trial that her father, Vince McMahon, and his wrestling empire went through in 1991-94. He was acquitted at his July 94 trial, by the way. On the same program, Bradshaw called for the, the US to launch a sustained bombing campaign against Afghanistan and reduce the country to a parking lot. Sky, Sport, Sky Sports cut Bradshaw's comments from its broadcast of the show. The suggestion that an entire country be erased from existence was deemed to be in poor taste. That's interesting. I, I, I knew about, obviously, the comments. I didn't realize that they were edited in international versions of the show. I don't think I... I'm not sure I'd ever heard those Bradshaw ones before. Yeah. No, not uh, well, we talked earlier about Matt Hardy versus Edge. That obviously took place on uh, Unforgiven. Um, and I remember at the time, we're segueing now from Power Slam memories to literally my own memories. <laughs> um, I remember at the time the Matt Hardy return was like, to me, a big deal. Um, I never believed that it was a shoot or anything, but it was like edgy, crazy stuff happening. Oh, are you still there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, their quick review of the match here Unforgiven was Matt Hardy and Edge's chance to get the program back on track after they've they 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 summarized the previous disappointments of the feud. Um, and get the fans something to sink their teeth into after their appetizer on August 29. You remember they did the uh injury angle on the SummerSlam, they had like a five minute match. Oh, I think we keep losing you again. Uh, so, with a cage, gimmicks, and a 21 and a half minutes to play with, the bitter rivals have been shown every courtesy by WWE management. If they couldn't excel in this environment, they probably never would. Hardy and Edge pounded each other senseless at the start of the match as the fans went wild. Seizing control, Edge hoisted Hardy into powerbomb position and slammed him back first into the turnbuckles in the cage. Edge tried to use the briefcase supplied by the devious leader, but the play backfired when Hardy turned the tables and bulldogged the Canadian onto the case. Hardy then smashed Edge headfirst into the cage, and Edge bled heavily. Saving her sponsor from certain defeat, Lita ran into the cage and broke up Hardy's pinfall cover. Later, she tried to drill Hardy with the briefcase, but Matt ducked her wild swing and floored his ex with a twist of fate. Hardy and Edge continued the brawl on the top rope. Grabbing the advantage, Hardy pummeled his nemesis and sent his limp frame crashing into the canvas. 
At that point, Matt could have climbed out of the cage for an escape victory, but instead of taking the easy route, Hardy leapt off the top of the cage with a monster leg drop on his helpless foe. A first in the WWE, Bolacano did the same move about 15 years ago in All Japan Women. The leg drop was a breathtaking stunt. Fittingly, it earned Hardy the pinfall victory in what was an outstanding match. Definitely the peak, maybe ever, of Matt Hardy's career. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, as a singles match, guy, yeah. Match-wise, as a singles competitor. Um, maybe not necessarily artistically, if you consider some of the stuff he did later in his career, but nevertheless. Um, also this month, as if this hasn't been a bumper enough month for you guys, TNA Unbreakable 2005. Fans chanted, match of the year after the main event of Unbreakable. Wasn't the first time that TNA's audience in Orlando, Florida had broken into that cry, but this time they weren't exaggerating. The triple threat match pitting X Division champion Christopher Daniels versus Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles was the best match in TNA history and one of the hottest bouts this year. For nearly 23 minutes, the three battled back and forth with perfectly timed and executed big moves, near falls, saves, counters, and everything else as the crowd went positively loony. Spectators realized by the 10-minute mark they were witnessing something truly exceptional, and the action continued to uh, intensify until Styles reversed an angel's wings attempt by Daniels into a pinning predicament to bag the three count and his record fifth X Division title. Um... The funny thing about that match is wasn't I think I've heard interviews with people involved that they they went didn't they go home early that the match was actually supposed to be a little bit five minutes longer than it was and that they had like spots planned that they never got around to uh to actually doing um but yeah do you guys have any thoughts on that unbreakable really triple threat match really- only getting about half of what you said. Yeah, we're we're, we're struggling a bit here. We're getting, yeah. Mm. Uh, Hasten this segment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's just uh, okay. wrap, wrap up and do dynamite, and then probably call it a day. Sure. Uh, we'll finish up with an email. How about that? Because we've discussed already the the weird trend in Power Slam of perverts who email the magazine. nwr writes in did anyone who purchased the october issue of loaded notice that candace michelle is completely nude on the playboy dvd that came free with the magazine (laughs) one word wow That's all for this week's. Oh, good stuff. That's good stuff. So, um, anyone Let's talk dynamite? about Dynamite. Anyone watch Dynamite? Hey. I, I watched Dynamite. It was, it was good. It was good. I can't remember what happened. but uh, There was a great Sting segment. Well, yeah. It was interesting because they, they kind of... Um, the, the air of sort of mystery from the first week, they kind of lost completely. He just came out and cut like a very, you know, here I am, I'm Sting. Program. I'm Sting, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he didn't give away too much, actually, but it was, yeah, it wasn't like Crow Sting. 
No, it's TNA sting. Like I'm coming out to have a laugh, but also I'm, uh, you know, I'm still sting. Yeah. So I, I thought it, it struck a kind of just about the right tone. It wasn't too um, too silly. So that was that was good. And he kind of hinted. I think I liked the when he was hugging Cody and you know, kind of setting some some seeds there for for later on. Cody being very pissed off. So that was that was cool. So yeah, I guess he's going to do a match. Yeah, maybe a graveyard match. Maybe a graveyard match, or something like that. some something mental like that. Yeah, I mean, like I feel like it would make sense for him to do a cinematic match, but I'm so over AEW doing those. I don't need any more of them in AEW. Mm. No, you're right. But uh, yeah, interesting to see where he goes. Anyway, um, did did everyone watch uh, Kenny Omega on Impact? Yes, yeah, I watched that. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was a really good promo. Callus was great. Callis, yeah, he was very funny. Very funny. Um, Josh the Josh. only issue was they did exactly the same promo on Dynamite as they had done on Impact. Yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Um, would have been nice to do something slightly different. Maybe they're thinking people didn't watch, not everyone watched that. So you can just do the same thing again. Well, the trick is then is for the impact one to not be maybe as important as the ones on Dynamite, which mm. let's say people are only watching that. But you should still get something unique if you take the effort to watch the impact one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the side quests that you do that inform the main quest in a video game more. Mm. You don't have to do them, but if you do them, you get more out of it. You know, maybe that kind of thing. Yeah. Still, uh, I like I like where this is going. Where this angle is going, you can see uh, Kenny winning the Impact title, maybe turning up in a few other places. Yeah, I'd say he'd, he'd he'd love that. It seems like AEW has like pushed that they are open to that idea, which I think would be interesting. And um, I mean, he already has that AAA belt that they really do not reference enough. I think. Um, I think he should be coming out with both the belts. I think you know. If, if his gimmick is I'm a world beater and I go wherever I want and I win all these belts and I'm so great, like he, you you have the belt and you're, you've shown it on TV for it. They're allowed to have it. He should show his. Uh, he just defended it last night. You know, I think he should. Uh, I think he should be running around with both of them. Hmm. Uh, the uh, the opener was great. TH2 versus the Young Bucks. Yeah, really. Very good. Really, really, yeah. Yeah. yeah, good to see Jack Evans go doing all his mad shit for the first time in a while. <laughs> yeah, he can still do it. He's as good as he, he ever was. Really. Yeah, he's great. He's 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 fantastic. Um, One thing I always liked about Jack Evans was he was almost like everyone can not everyone obviously not everyone's doing the flippy doos, but he almost has like a contortionist element to him, and I always liked how he like sells stuff like he had been ragdolled or just fallen out of a car crash or something. Yeah. I like that. The other, the other time match was, was decent as well. FTR and um, the Varsity Blondes. Um, oh yeah. FTR beat the shit out of Ryan Pillman in that match. <laughs> good. Good. Um, yeah. And I, I like FTR. I thought they were good beating the crap out of those kids and then cutting the promo backstage. It was like, uh, you know they they won me round by having a good match with the young bucks, and then you know now they're now they're being now they're pissed off guys trying to get back on top, and I, I I'm into that. So yeah, so we'll see where they go. 
yeah, uh, had, had the appearance of Shaq. Mm. Uh, not much to it, but no. it's going it's to go somewhere. Big tag match or something, mixed tag match. So that's... They, uh, they got their money's worth already with him doing a silly face, looking at the camera, soaking wet. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> I laughed. Oh, He's great. He's great. He, that's what you want. I, you, you don't want him to show up and try and be serious. I think you want him for that kind of stuff. Yeah, he knows. But then Brandy Rhodes again. Yeah. yeah. It was funny that they advertised it as a graphic of Shaq and Tony Schiavone. And then the first thing you see in the segment is he introduces Brandy. I'm like, oh, what? You just said it was Shaq. <laughs> like, okay. I don't mind Brandy Rhodes. She's a bit annoying. But, you know, but like she has, she has the arm broken or the arm injury from the attack from Jade Cargill last week, right? So she's in there in a, in a sling, right? So we're we're supposed to feel sympathy for her. That's that's the gimmick, right? That's the plan. But then when Tony Schiavone introduces them, she's like, "Oh, I see how you're buttering Shaq's bread over there, and you only give me the two second deal." But who are you? Shaquille O'Neal's was literally one of the most famous people in the world. Mm. That that's was a healy line that she's given out. That she's not getting enough plaudits. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That was dumb. That was funny, but uh, yeah, d- decent overall. And um, they had um this this Abaddon woman. Yeah, she's a bit, she's a bit spooky. Yeah, spooky spooky. At least uh I hope at least this week she just did a squash match and that's that's fine. I don't need any more of these segments where oh Hikaru Shida goes, I'm not scared and then uh, something spooky happens and she goes, uh, uh. <laughs> Like 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 she's Mark Henry in two thousand six. Do you know what I mean? Like I just uh yeah. Yeah. And um, the main event was uh, really good as well. I thought MJF and, and Orange Cassidy. Um, it was Cassie's best match in a while, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a fun match. I had um, when Best Friends and Inner Circle were kind of fighting at ringside, I was getting uh, co- uh, Corporation versus DX. <laughs> I, was, I, I thought Austin was going to come out and hit MJF with a chair. So how satisfied were you with Miro? <laughs> Almost as good. Almost as good as uh, Attitude Era Austin, yeah. I, he pulls the worst faces. Like, I used to put really silly faces on this show. It really annoyed me. Just like, oh, I'm a brute. The kind of like, I'm really hungry face. I was like, oh, God, mate. It's go interesting because, as Brian Alvarez loves to say, and, you know, I don't know that I put much stock in anything Brian Alvarez has to say, yeah. but Brian Alvarez says, you know, when people stop giving a shit, that's when they're at their best. And I wonder if with Miro, there's a little bit of, you know, maybe he should take it a bit more seriously than he does. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's been a bit of a bust. Bit of a bust so far. Bit of a bust. Was that a Samoa Joe's original NXT music when he debuted, wasn't it? Bit of a buzz. Bit of a bit of a buzz. Anyway. No one remembers Small Joe's original NXT theme song. Only me. Um so yeah, are we do we have to watch Impact now? Is that a thing? No, absolutely god no. Um luckily they put the entire show up on their YouTube channel. So I just skipped through it. Yeah, I think I think they were kind of 
I think they realized the reality of where they are on television, and so they they just made it. They wanted any bit of buzz they could get, so they just they made it as accessible as possible, which is good. I thought that was a very clever idea. Um, I have I still have less than no desire to watch that show weekly, though. No, no. absolutely not. No. Um, it appears, yeah, Kenny will be on Impact this week, though. Um, and yeah, you know, there's lots of lots of rumors flying all around about what level of involvement he's going to have, and I still think that is not necessarily clear yet but uh, i will certainly keep watching his segments at the very least yeah definitely and i think that's going to do it for the show is it that's that's it all righty uh well that's been another edition of the chair shop podcast for you here folks uh one more show and then we will be uh, wrapping up for christmas it is our 500th show next week and it'll be our big christmas special i'm sure we're going to have more christmas movies and and tv shows and we'll redo that entire uh, record segment again next week um (laughs) um, just for fun you know uh so yeah look forward to that uh in the meantime you can follow us at chairshot pod on twitter and chairshotpodcast.com is also where you can find the back catalog and where you can reach out to us via email if you would like to do that. So, with all that said, folks, it's going to be goodbye for now from me, Barry. Goodbye from Paul. Goodbye. Goodbye from Mr. Joe Towner. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.